everybody, and welcome back to the weekly. Welcome back to the weekly. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could take that out. We don't have to do it. I was just getting jealous about re-record, you hosting. Re-record. We could. Let's keep it. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the weekly. Uh, my name is Jonathan Franklin. I'm sitting here with Trevor. That you are. I'm is, Trevor Hoffman. Here I am with you. Who former is, host of the weekly. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say former. Okay. It's been a while since we've both been on at the same time, though. It has been a little while. The, the Weekly has been, as Steph Norris has called it, The Weekly. W-E-A-K-L-Y. The dance. Yeah. I feel like it was a year ago with my uh, new kid on the block podcast. That's right. Here we are. Once again, reunited. And it feels so good. Back again. All right, well, this week, um, you've been telling me about this book you've been reading. And I think it yeah. is incredibly interesting. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about it. Can you yeah. tell us what it is called? Yeah, yeah. So th- this is a this is a book that I've kind of had my eye on for some time. And the author is a guy that whose work and ministry I have just admired from a distance for some time. Um, the book is called Spirit and Sacrament by a guy named Andrew Wilson. And the subtitle is An Invitation to Eucharismatic Worship, um, which is a fun little made-up word. Um yeah, and the book, I mean, if I were to just summarize what the book's about, it's about essentially taking the best of two seemingly opposed traditions, the the more Eucharistic tradition uh, and the more uh, charismatic tradition, and trying to trying to take what's what's good and rich from each of those and bring those together in the life of in the life of a single church. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what in reading the book, what have been your like main takeaways? Yeah, so um, so when you hear when you hear the eucharismatic and the you know the combination of, of, of these two ideas, uh, he's taking the word charismatic and you know wedding it with the word eucharistic, and he's using it to sort of um, or even the title itself, spirit and sacrament. They're intended to function as shorthands for uh, shorthand for these different traditions and kind of takes on a, a worship gathering. So when you talk about a church that's more eucharistic or more sacramental, uh, typically you're speaking of churches from like the Episcopal or Anglican tradition who are um, really formal and structured, the kind of high church model that has a lot of formal kind of structured liturgical elements to their service. So things like calls to worship, uh, reading of the creeds, professions of faith, um, a confession and assurance and benedictions, you know, uh, frankly, a lot of the stuff that we've, we've implemented into our service, that's, uh, that's kind of typical of the, the Eucharistic or sacramental tradition. Um, the charismatic side of things, or, uh, you, you know, he chooses to use the, the word spirit here to sort of represent that in the title refers to typically what you think of when you think of a low church, uh, Pentecostal church of God, uh, something like that, uh, you know, uh, Characterized by the spiritual gifts, characterized by you know exuberance and liveliness and, and worship, um, and what he what he's saying in the book is there, there's got to be there's got to be a way for us to take the richness and the rootedness uh, that comes from liturgy and the um, um, some of those traditional aspects of a, of a worship gathering. Uh, taking some of those and wetting it with the exuberance and joyfulness. Um, and um, just sort of excitement that comes from you know the more charismatic tradition, and the the biggest takeaway from the book is um, honestly just hearing somebody say what I felt like could be a thing 
uh, for some time. You, you know what I mean? Like have, hearing somebody kind of make the case for something that I've really passionately felt like, like could be something. Like if only somebody could help me kind of put words to some of the things that I'm feeling and and sort of help me help me think through what it might take for us to to kind of have a church that that, that does this that embodies kind of the best of each of these traditions. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and for for those of you who have kind of been coming to church for the last few weeks, you've seen um, some of the graphics on the on the screen change a little bit. Um, and if you're like me, you get a little bit excited because something yeah. new, something fresh. <laughs> um, and I'm a big geek over like slides. Um, so we've seen some of this language, like you mentioned, call to worship, um, prayer of invocation. Like how how is this the stuff from this book being implemented, or how should it be implemented in T- at TCGS? Yeah, um, yeah. So for I mean, one of the things that we get asked a lot is about our use of liturgy. Like you know, we're a Southern Baptist church, and um, you know, a Southern Baptist church doesn't typically. Um, use these sorts of liturgical elements. Um, every church is liturgical in the sense that every church has an order of worship and every church has a, a way that they do things, uh, you know, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. So in that sense, every church is liturgical. Uh, but, but we do use these things that are a little bit more maybe reminiscent of like a higher church setting, like call to worship and prayer of invocation, those kind of things. And the reason that we've implemented that is... Um, one of the things that I think I've come to realize is is the power of habit and the power of routine. And, you know, there's obvious dangers to routine and habit and tradition. You know, Jesus, like, very clearly, you know, speaks against those things when they become hollowed out and when they become ends in themselves. Um, but they can also be really, really helpful um, because sometimes you just don't have the energy, the brain space, you know, to, 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 to sort of carry you along. And it's just helpful sometimes to have somebody put words in your mouth to give you the words of confession to pray and the you know, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and you know, we're, we're creatures that God designed to be, um, you know, heavily dependent upon habits and and God uses our habits and our routines and our structures to, to train us and to teach us and to ultimately direct our hearts onto Christ. And that's why we've, um, embraced this for ourselves. And, 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 you know, Christians, we're not the, we're not the first Christians, you know, we didn't just appear, um, uh, Christianity didn't just appear on the scene yesterday. You know, we come from a long tradition of folks who have been doing these things and doing these things well for some time. And so it's like, you know, we, we want to lean into that and learn from the, our Christian forefathers and, and do some of the things that they did and, and pray the prayers that they prayed and, and those kind of things. Um, so we, we've we very self-consciously made that a piece of who we are as a church. We just love the rootedness and the simplicity um, of, of liturgy. Um but one thing that I was really challenged by was uh, in the book, he he spends the first couple of chapters talking about charis, which is the Greek word for grace or gift, and then kara, which is the Greek word for joy. Um, I, I love to section on gift. It reminds me of the Theology of Stuff series that we did back in 2017, that, that everything's a gift, and the sacramental tradition makes a makes a big deal out of the fact that everything is a gift, that, that everything that exists in the world is charged with meaning by virtue of it coming from the hand of God. Um but one of the things I was really challenged by and, and really just enjoyed reading was this chapter on joy, just the call to be joyful as a Christian. Um, you know, Paul speaks in Second Corinthians of being sorrowful yet always rejoicing, that there's a there's a sort, sort of gravity and, and maybe, um, uh, I guess, sorrow that we carry by virtue of living in a fallen world and just the difficulties of following after Christ in a fallen world. Uh, but Christians are to always, always, always be 
joyful. Like the, the baseline kind of disposition for, for us is a kind of jolliness about things. Uh, I don't know, kind of a, I almost get the picture of like a, almost like a detached jolliness that's rooted in the fact that Jesus is going to win. And so we, we can, we can, we can face kind of the ugliest and the darkest and the deepest and still have a, a kind of joy about us. And, and he, and he really challenges, you know, and he's, he's, the guy who writes this interestingly comes out of a, a capital C charismatic tradition. So he's, you know, speaking tongues and, you know, the, the full shebang, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily us, you know? Um, but he's, but he's, but, but he's writing and he's, and, and he's, I think he's targeted folks like us who, who might be a bit more reserved in worship and, and kind of calling us out into, you know, maybe it's okay to be a bit more expressive and joyful in the worship gathering. And, and, and maybe it's okay to, um, uh, you know, lift our hands and engage bodily and, you know, not, not feel so frozen and, and sort of stuck in our seats. Um, and so I, w- I was really helped by that chapter and, and really helped uh, by his uh, just kind of insistence on the, the joyous kind of the default Christian disposition and his, uh, I think, kind of positive vision he sets forward for uh, making the Sunday gathering a joyful experience. Um, and one of the most helpful I think and analogies he uses in this book is he says it's kind of like a trampoline. Uh, you got to go deep to go high. You got to go low to go high. Um, and what he what he's kind of saying with that trampoline illustration is that liturgy is sort of the the going deep. It's the it's the thoughtfulness and it's the um, kind of plumbing the plumbing like getting serious and, and and being sorrowful over our sin and and being thoughtful over our sin but we do so in order to spring back up with joy and exuberance about the forgiveness that we have in Christ um, so I just I found that to be a helpful insight and a helpful challenge for our church um, and I'd say that's one thing I would I would say like um, maybe one challenge I'd have to our church and, and those listening is like what, what would it look like for us? I don't know to to embrace a little bit more exuberance in our gathering. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking. I grew up in the Methodist Church, so we were oh, very yeah. very familiar with creeds and um, liturgy. Um, those are words that are very familiar in my vocabulary. And can I, I mean, in your experience, was it did it feel kind of rote and dry, or at least at times, was that did you feel like that could be the case? Yeah, I mean, and it really depended on the church. Okay, um, I think. My dad, my dad was a pastor, so a lot of the churches that that he led, it felt very uh, comfortable and intentional. Um, whereas others I went to, it it did seem dry. Like we just said the creeds mm-hmm. to say the creeds every week. Um, but then I went to a Baptist college where the charismatic movement was very yeah familiar yeah um, Pentecostal. Um, it was very spirit led, um, very uh, free in in how they worshipped. Um, so getting both sides of the coin, I thought it's very, I've loved how TCGS has, has kind of married those two Yeah. where there's a, there's an intentionality in, in everything we do. There is a liturgy to it. However, there is still a freedom and a joy, um, and a beauty, um, and celebrating all that we do. Um, because I mean, back in seminary, some of the creeds reading through some of the creeds that, um, these church fathers have written. They're just beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, they really communicate the deep truths of, of the gospel mm. um, and what it means to be a Christian. Um, and I think there there is room for that in in service where it, it is not dry. It's not tired, but yeah. it's something that's celebrated and beautiful. Yeah, man, that's that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what better truth could there could there be than um, 
to sing about the essence of the faith. You know, this, we sing the the Hillsong um, arrangement of the Apostles' Creed, which sings this I believe, and it's it's a pronouncement of who God is as the Creator of heaven and earth. Um, Christ is only begotten Son, who was born of the Virgin Mary, who took on sin, who um, was resurrected. We will be resurrected in like manner. His death creates the church. His Holy Spirit empowers the church. Uh, you know, that's that's the Christian story. That's the that's the heart of our faith, and it's um, and it's a beautiful thing. And it, I think it's appropriate for us to like receive that and reflect on that with solemnity, you know, and 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 uh, a kind of appropriate seriousness. But it's like a solemnity and a uh, seriousness that gives way to joy, um, uh, because at the end of the, I mean, this is this is yeah, a couple of years ago, a couple of Easter's ago, we taught you know that history is not a tragedy, history is a comedy in the sense that history has a happy ending. You know, this is where we're headed. Joy forever is where we're headed, and so um, uh, you know, I think it's appropriate for our worship gatherings to just be marked by just a deep, you know, sense of like victory in Christ. Not not a happy, clappy, sort of cheap, plasticky kind of joy, but like a deep joy in, in knowing that, um, you know, I'm not my own, but be- but belong to God, both body and soul. So so what would you say to somebody who's who's hearing this um, and, and grew up or has gone to church on either side of the spectrum? Yeah. Has been, uh, as you mentioned before, and it says in the book, kind of high church, yeah. creedal, very formal, or on the other end, uh, very much a charismatic, almost Pentecostal type um, environment, um, who's, who's kind of sees the merits on both ends, yeah. um, but doesn't know kind of how, how to start. Move, yeah. moving towards the middle how would you what would you say to somebody who's kind of in that position uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a good question because in some i mean in some ways i don't i don't i don't know um because i'm i mean i i myself have, you know have kind of can i have my own background have my own associations with these things and um you know i i don't necessarily know what it could look like um i'm excited about you know trying to figure that out um but i'd say like one know your tendencies like uh, for many of us we're just very um very uncomfortable with being expressive, uh, emotionally. Um, you know, so, and, and others of us are like a cartoon character, you know, like if we, if we broke our arm, it'd be a speech impediment, you know? Um, that's kind of like, it's kind of like me, I guess. Um, I'm, as I wave my hands, trying to explain myself to John. Um, so I'd say know yourself, like know, know where you're at, know, know where you come from. And, and I also say like, actually look at the scriptures. Like, I think the Bible gives us um, a picture of, of, of each of these things, both, um, to use his language, both the kind of Eucharistic side of this, this deal and the charismatic side of this deal, lowercase e, lowercase c. Um, like when you read through the Psalms, um, they were, it was responsive readings, you know, that was, uh, that was not uncommon. You'd, you'd have the, the leader would say one thing and then the people would respond with something else. Um, uh, the Psalms sometimes are very deep, complex, lyrically and have you know very rich theology and then other times the psalms are very repetitive uh, r- repetitive and simple kind of like a hill song worship chorus that you get tired of singing like sometimes the psalms are that way um and the psalms encourage you to sing you know to to to, to shout you know make a joyful noise to the lord um you know shake your tambourine and use your lyre and, and those kind of things um so i'd say like may- maybe um Know yourself, but but then also look at the scriptures. See what the scriptures actually have to say about some of these issues, and maybe let the scripture kind of call you, or, or be a corrective to the you know maybe tendencies that you possess by virtue of your temperament or where you came from, or whatever that might be. Um, 
and I'd say in general, like, I, I would just love for us to just feel like we, ju- we just have the freedom to be uh, expressive and uh, joyful in our gatherings. Absolutely. And, and one thing that was super helpful for me um, in thinking through it was as as you worship or as you look back on, on the worship gathering, uh, why why are we doing the things that we do? Why do we do the things that we do? Um, why do we say the Apostles' Creed? Mm-hmm. What um, What is meant by the words that we're saying? Um, or... Uh, why do we sing the songs that we're singing? Um, so thinking thinking through those things intentionally, not just rotely saying them, yeah. um, but intentionally thinking about these are the words I'm saying or these are the words I'm singing um, really helped think through like, okay, what does it really mean to worship? Or, or why do we do the things that we do in a worship service? Mm. That's good. Yeah. And, and, and talking about the why and, and just kind of having a clear sense of the why, um, you know, we don't talk about these things as an end in themselves, like as if we're trying to like kind of craft the perfect worship service or the perfect worship experience or something like that. And that, that's not the goal. You know, the, the goal is to have the crispest, crispest, is that a word? Crisp, I think so. Crispiest, the best looking graphics or the, or, you know, the highest sound production or the, the most like theologically robust liturgy or the most, you know, exuberant worship, or whatever. Those aren't the goals necessarily. Um, the goal is to gather around Jesus, to worship Jesus, to remember who he is and what he has done for us and how he gave his life as a ransom for many. And we are that many. And we gather as that many in awe together of what Christ has done on our behalf. And, and that's the goal. That's the why behind all of what we do on Sundays. Um, and man, it, it's almost like at the end of the day, if, if we just get that why in place, um, uh, you know, you may the rest of it just take care of itself. May, may everything else just be what it is. Let's just get that why clear and, and sort of internalize that each of us, uh, that each Sunday we gather together to worship Jesus. Um, and we hope, I mean, as we talk about these things, one, one of my, one of my great hopes is maybe you're listening to this and you're newish to our church. I mean, I, I just hope that this stuff rings true to your experience, that it feels like our service is about Christ when you come, that it's about Jesus and about redemption found in him. So anyway, that, that's our heart, and that's uh, that's what we hope you know, you, you feel and sort of experience when you gather with us. Amen. May we be a church who worships Christ well. And is you charismatic uh, along the way. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, and if, if you have any questions or thoughts about the things we've kind of discussed here today, feel free to reach out to us. You can find all our contact information on the website, tcgreerstation.com. Uh, we also have a, a lot of helpful resources um, on the website for you to, to dig deeper into these things. Um, so feel free to check those out as well. Um, but we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so feel free to use that as a resource uh, to get in contact with us. Um, but we look forward to the next podcast. Um, we look forward to talking to you soon. Awesome. Thanks.